Hello, and it's the Stranger Nerds podcast here. It's the Jersey Nerds. We have Tommy Grant, Nick Izzo, and myself, Connor Vandermark, and we are here for Chapter 7, The Bathtub. Uh, a lot of stuff going down here, and I thought it was a very fun episode. Nick Izzo, first impressions, please. Well, blows last week's episode out the water. Uh... As far as the progression of what happens without going into the entire episode right now, um, I definitely went holy shit at a lot of different parts. And uh, I was very pleased with, um, well, Connor already said it, but I was, I was very pleased with the progression of, the, of all the story arcs. And uh, I, th- I thought it was a very good episode. Yeah, I thought go- that they were, oops, sorry, Tommy. No, you're um, good. I thought that again, this is as my first watch ever seeing this series, a lot of big like highlight moments of oh, and then another oh, and just following up one after another of like this is things are firing off now where I'm really curious how they're gonna end the season finale. Yep, and that, that's what I was saying last episode where episode six was kind of that breath of air before the finale and everything kind of goes down because this and the finale a lot of shit go down and i was very excited to see your reactions for this episode because like you said there's a lot of stuff that happens that kind of makes you go oh shit um so i just realized something on our show doc that i did not uh mention from episode six um so any significant with the writer for episode six or no do you not know Uh, nothing significant for episode six uh it was it was their first writing credit so they're brand new writing for shows okay so as i'm gonna plug this in now i guess um so this episode was written by justin i'm assuming it's dual um or dule d-o-o-l-e uh that would be a b sir Oh, your your cursor's on the show doc. I can't see the the tag up. There you go. There you Double. Go. <laughs> that's that's a lot better. Better. But um, he is any, anything I can do to fuck with you, I, I would do. <laughs> so he's the one who written written the chapter four episode, the body, which was a very fun episode. Um, again, directed by the Duffer Duffy uh, Duffer brothers, and yeah, definitely. Uh, I I thought you can feel hints of it. Um with with the way it was written but overall though like i thought i'm i'm cool just going right into it and just uh going because i think our predictions pretty much held up from last episode which were a was at least um joyce and um joyce and hopper meeting up with the arrested jonathan and nancy's not arrested but she's just there um and then, so that team up happened. And then my prediction of uh, Luke is calling in on the radio to the other boys, like, hey, uh, there's something fishy going on here. But I was wrong on that part. It wasn't just fishy. It's like, get your shit together. Go. This and... was definitely the culmination where a few episodes ago where we were constantly ranting, don't split the party. This is the episode where all the parties started to unite. And we get to see new alliances form, new groups interacting. So this, this I knew was the big episode. I was very excited to see your guys' reaction to because a lot of new pairings start to kind of come out of this episode that we will definitely see a lot more going forward. But yeah, let's I, dive I on in. I say we keep it up. So, so we we uh we start off. With Mike and Eleven kind of sharing a little little intimate moment, if you will. Almost having a kiss and gets interrupted by Dustin kind of just screaming, Bad men are coming, bad men are coming. And just, you know, typical Dustin just constantly being hysterical. And <laughs> your cliche interruption of a romantic moment of Mike and Eleven. But you definitely see Mike and Eleven kind of progressing the little romantic situation here. A new new love couple. We've got Jonathan and Nancy, Mike and Eleven, 
Maybe a little Joyce and Hopper. Who knows? <laughs> nah, no shot. No shot? No shot at Joyce and Hopper. Nah. nah. I, I could see them as like... Weird. I, I, I see them currently as partners in crime and anything else. We'll find out in okay. the future, but... Yeah. We'll find out. I, I mean, I, I hope I'm correct. I really don't want to be wrong on that. But I, just, <laughs> I, don't, know. I don't want to say that. I, I will not say anything further. I'll let you find out on your own. Okay. But so we see Dustin coming in screaming, the bad men are coming, which he got radioed from Lucas. And we see Mike quickly do that instant panic where he runs and asks his mom, hey, are we scheduled for any repairs? Because he sees the sketch repair dude standing outside the house. And they kind of realize, oh, shit, it's the government. It's that little E.T. moment where they all kind of flee the government tuck 11 up and hightail it out the back door and we just see dr prenner just kind of chilling on the front lawn like a little boss evil villain watching everything go down and that's kind of how we open everything up yeah it was a very uh et and uh paul revere moment there because uh <laughs> you know him, him shouting the british are coming that, that's that's Lucas, you know, with the yep. uh, with the bat with the bad men. So, yeah, thought it was a very appropriate opening from where we left off. I thought it was kind of appropriate that Lucas kind of uses Eleven's terminology in this moment because he could have he could have said anything. He could have said the government any sort of different words, but he kind of uses Eleven's almost childish wording of the bad men. I thought it was kind of uh, ironic who, how Lucas, who's so against Eleven, kind of uses her terminology in this moment of just sheer panic of, holy shit, they're coming. I need to tell my friends to get out of there. Yeah. Um, I'm not against the terminology, though. Like, Oh, there's nothing the... wrong with the terminology. No, 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 but I think that he could have used something else, but I think that was the right thing to say, though. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, because if he said if he said the government, there'd be a lot more confusion of like why the government would care about us. And yep. but him saying the bad men means a no, they all know who it is. It's whoever's mm -hmm. after eleven. Doesn't matter who they are. Yep. And the second thing is, is that the second thing is that they are some a group of people who are after them like it is like isn't just a, a group of people we don't know anything about them. it's hey get the hell out we we know you're in danger yep and of course since 11 used it before every every understood the connotation of who these bad men were yeah so we we instantly see them lucas is been just busting his ass across town on his bike like a champ and we see them all kind of unite going as fast as they can down the street the government vans are pursuing them and it just screamed et throughout this entire episode this whole government chasing the kids around and we just see this badass moment of 11 using her powers and just flipping the one van just completely over i thought that was awesome what were you guys' reactions when you saw that? Because I'm assuming this is one of those oh shit moments. Oh yeah, that was definitely the first. One. <laughs> Def definitely, definitely the first one where I was like, I was like, oh, she can do that. Yeah, like was... you, you can even see Brenner's face is like, well then, like as the person who's trying to create a weapon right now, like you can definitely see how things have progressed with her. Yeah, or at least at his vantage point. And I, a little. I think, uh... Oh, my bad. No, you're good. I, 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 as a, as a, as a joke, I, I do think though that, uh, that there was ample space on either of the sides for the vans, for one of the vans to keep going. You know, I don't think they all just had to stop and accept defeat at that moment, but they just like they did. <laughs> like they could, they could just went around the van and kept going, but they were like, ah. This, it's this your, it's your cliche <laughs> crash scene where it's just one car goes down, the rest kind of pile on top. Yeah. But a little fun fact about this scene was originally this scene wasn't even going to take place in the episode. There was going to be no 
band being flipped or anything like that. But the Duffer Brothers actually wanted it to be like E.T. as an homage to E.T. because they thought, well, government chasing a bunch of kids around. They're like, we could do definitely something cool. And they're all on the bikes, which fits exactly how E.T. goes. And apparently in production, they had a lot of problems with this where apparently the first time they did the van flip, they didn't want to use CGI, so they did all practical effects. The van actually flipped over, slid, and crashed into one of the camera poles and destroyed it. So it caused, <laughs> apparently it caused nice. a whole bunch of financial damage and costs to the production team. And they didn't want to continue with it because of how chaotic it was. And the Duffer brothers were so insistent they wanted the scene. So they tried it again and eventually they see what comes into the show as a successful stunt. But I thought it was just pretty funny. Whole whole van just crashing into a camera pole and just destroying it. Like that had to have been a hectic day on set. I thought it was nice too because of the fact that like, no, definitely comparing to the E.T. set. Um, like they didn't have CGI back then, so like them able to recreate that kind of same setup was yep. a very nice. Like, you know, you could definitely see how much the the Duffer Brothers care about honoring the classics in those me- in those methods. Yep. But so we finally get the party united, the first of many reuniting moments in this episode, where the whole crew escapes. And we see Lucas kind of swallow his pride and apologizes to Eleven for how he behaved and apologizes. And Eleven even owns up and says she apologizes for you know misleading them down their little escapade, which caused them to have the whole fight in the first place. And then we have Mike and Lucas, best friends, back together, reconciling their differences. So the party is back together. And it's all for it. Before you go on, um, I just realized <laughs> I forgot to mention this in episode six, um, because there, to me, the significance of like you realize how deep their D and D party goes with how they interact with each other. Because like the fact that you no know, Dustin tries to make Mike say, "Hey, you drew first blood here. You're the one who has to own up first. and like you get to shake, you get to put your hand out and do the shake. And of course, Lucas didn't go for the first time. He's like, I don't want to let it in our in our party. Like she's not, she's not one of us. Yep. And the fact that Lucas made up his concessions, like screw it, she's one of us now. Because like that was sweet. We need her on our team. And yep. after seeing the band flip, and no, no, because I I think it's like I think it's nice that they're. They don't just see their D and D group as a or their D and D game as a separate entity. They see it as this narrative what we're building in this D and D game is also part of us too. And yeah, it goes it's, deep it's their them. livelihood. It's, it's what brings them together as friends. Yeah, and I, I like to see that. Like, it, it holds a lot more emotional weight to them, and then. And because it, 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 it brings them more, because if you had that interaction without the previous nomenclature of no, or um, not the nomenclature, the previous essence of hey, this is what we did, this is how we do things in our party, is you no know, sort out like we always do, and then bring it back in episode seven of hey, this is how we're doing it, this is how we, this is how we emotionally connect and solve our problems is through this. And another good callback, too, with the whole First Blood situation is that's also a big reference to Rambo First Blood and Rambo First Blood Part 2. With that whole scene of Rambo just screaming, you know, they drew First Blood. Had the police officers and Rambo just owned up to their mistakes, what a different movie we could have had. All you had to do was give him a $7 breakfast meal. Yeah, he just just wanted his way through town, but the cops didn't want anything to do with it. No, uh, well, I never, I never seen Rambo. <laughs> Nick just took his headset off. Nick, Nick is gone. You... Uh, it's one of those oh. movies I remember. 
He, I'm waiting I, for I, get, I'm waiting for he's got a headset back on. Come on, Nick. There you go. Come on, you can do it. He need no. Nick needs to emotionally recover from what you just said. It's one of those movies never really got around to, and it's just never really. Uh, Sorry yeah. for those of you who heard my mic just uh, sputter. No, no like that, that was completely justified, Nick. So I am just shocked. I feel oh. Mitchell will also be very upset with me about that one. Betrayal. I'm, I'm just Betrayal. praying to God at this point that Mitchell has seen this as well, and that we're all in Betrayal. the same boat of you were just a disgrace for not seeing Rambo. I've been before. Not I don't know about you, Tommy. I feel betrayed. I, I, I do as you. well. I okay. I thought our friendship meant more to Connor, but apparently, <laughs> apparently, we've been misled, just as Lucas has been the past few episodes. <laughs> just as Lucas. Like I said, not a huge movie person, so. Don't be surprised. There will be more. There will be more. Let's dive back into this episode before Nick and I just leave you stranded here by your lonesome. Oh, I don't know how to recover from this. <laughs> I'm betrayed. So, all right. So, on that note, we switch back. The party is united, and we switch over to. Mr. and Mrs. Wheeler having a little interaction with Dr. Brenner and I believe her name is Connie, the agent who shot Benny in this first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they find a strand of hair from the ET wig that Eleven was wearing. And it's just a whole bunch of the Hawkins lab soldiers kind of come out and they're searching through the house. And Mr. Wheeler's playing you know, Mr. Patriot, you know, anything you guys need, search the house, like, you know, we're at your disposal, which was very, very 1980s suburb America. Everybody supported the government because all you had to do is mention Russia and everybody was like, yep, do what you got to do. We're not going to (laughs) interfere. And we just learned to hate Mr. Wheeler even more in this episode, just how lazy and clueless he is to everything. And gullible, because everyone was kind of sitting there going, like, what's going on? Like, are kids safe? And Dr. Brenner's like, you know, your kid's in danger. He's hanging out with, you know, a dangerous weapon. And Mr. Willis just eating it all up, you know, like, ah, we got to save our kid. And just completely clues the fact that, hey, you had a kid living in your basement this whole time, and you had no clue whatsoever. And I thought that was fucking hysterical. Mr. Wheeler kind of realized, like, oh, like, there's no way there was a girl in the basement. We would have known. It's like, no, you weren't. Enough. You were completely clueless. It's more so the fact that he was, it was more so like, oh, Mike having a girl over? That, that's unheard of. Yeah. Um, now, is he trying to, like, insinuate something when he said that? No, I think it was more so, like, he's too shut in to be someone who can, you know, be dating or have like a love interest because okay. his, his dad probably thinks his kid's a loser too i don't know see i i for i don't know for a moment i was like oh like does he think like his son is like gay or something i don't know that's kind of what i thought would be like the way you said that no it, I, I didn't see that as that way it could go either of those ways but in my opinion mr wheeler's just completely oblivious to his family he's one of those he works he comes home he shuts his brain off and lets his wife kind of handle the kids. He he has no idea what's going on in their lives. Like, I mean, the whole Nancy-Steve situation where Nancy's lost her virginity, been sneaking out, sleeping in guys' houses. He probably has no clue that's even happened yet. Because mm-hmm. we never we never see any interaction between Mr. and Mrs. Wheeler. And that's what Nancy sort of referenced, where it's a loveless marriage. They're kind of just doing the day-by-day just to get by. And Mr. Wheeler doesn't really care about the kids. At least not in the sense that Mrs. Wheeler does. Mm-hmm. But And even Karen makes the comment, too, of like, oh, Dr. Bremer is freaking weird. Yeah, like, and she definitely sees like very cold. Through... Like she, yeah. She's not believing any of that shit. No. And even yeah, she... it's just like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're in our best interest. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's fine that they're going through all of our belongings in our house. Like, it's no big deal. Yeah, this is totally normal. 
And so we kind of close off this little scene with uh, Dustin noticing a helicopter searching for them. And it kind of shows the stakes of like, it's not just a couple soldiers. It's not just a van. Like they have helicopters involved. Like there's a lot of people involved trying to find them. And it's got to be nerve wracking for them just knowing that how many people are looking for them and what's going to happen when they are found. Because now it's not really a secret anymore. It's not like Eleven's just some random kid. The U.S. government is now searching through people's homes saying, hey, there's a weapon, a Russian weapon that your kids have been hanging out with. We need to find them now. So now it's that moment where the parents are now involved. So the kids are almost like, we can't even go home. They're on the lamb. Yep. And that's where we kind of switch over briefly to the other little reunited group where we have Joyce and Hopper coming back to the police station to find Jonathan arrested and Nancy sort of freaking out. And they find the giant box of hunting equipment in the trunk. (laughs) And they kind of question like, what the fuck is all this for? Which, you know, any good parent would ask their kid, why the hell do you have all these random hunting and weapons in your trunk? It's not something you should have. And that's where we kind of get this little group of them trying to explain what they saw. And Joyce and Hopper kind of believe them because they've been doing their own little investigation into what's been going on. So I, I thought the Jonathan comment of, you wouldn't believe me. Hopper's like, at this point, he's like, try me. Like, yeah. let's go. Like, let's talk it around. Like, once he says that, like, oh, he knows something. Uh, yep. we, need, we need to talk to ourselves. And this is kind of what I was waiting for you to be excited for, because I know you made a comment episodes ago about how nobody has talked. Mm -hmm. All these problems would have been resolved if someone had just talked to another group, especially like with Mike and Nancy talking. Now we finally have two groups running their own investigations, coming together and talking and saying, hey, this is what we have. You're not actually crazy. And this must have been a huge victory for Joyce, like finally having not just Hopper, but more people involved saying, we believe you, you're not crazy. Like, I feel bad for Joyce because, like, Joyce is going through this. And then her own son is like, I'm going to let her know that Nancy had some weird shit go on, and I'm just going to fight this thing by myself. Yep. And Joyce Joyce has to deal with the realizations, like, I'm just lost my second, my other son. Yep. And I could have has been not just a you know i would have been alone alone and she probably would she would have been gone like i wouldn't be surprised if she would have done some self-harm or something if that happened yeah yeah so we definitely see joyce not just relieved that she's being believed but yeah very upset that jonathan just took it upon himself because that seems to be what jonathan does we saw that in the first episode how jonathan you know, took extra shifts at work because they needed the money, but didn't tell his mom. And now he's doing more, much more extreme things of, hey, I'm going to go risk my life to find my brother and fight this monster instead of tell you, hey, this is what's going on. But right after that, we have Hopper kind of interrupted with uh, Troy and his mom, which I thought was a very pretty funny situation with officer Callahan because as much as we hate him, just the way he was interacting with the mom in the scene, I thought was pretty funny of just (laughs) him trying not to break composure of like, you know, this girl made you pee yourself. Like what? Like just, he was trolling. Yeah. He was trying the very least to be professional, but he was failing epically. Yeah. Like you, you see Hopper just like he doesn't even care like who this kid is. And then as soon as you know Troy mentions, you know, oh, you know this this girl with the shaved head, blah blah blah. Guess yep. what? He's like, wait a minute. Now I'm interested in you. It's just like it's <laughs> it's, it's such a sudden it's such a sudden uh, change. Let's forget about the pissing your pants part, and let's shift yeah. to the bald-headed girl part. And who are these losers? <laughs> who are these losers? What losers? 
which is also another it reference which i know you guys have not seen but in the it movie is a group of kids who call themselves the losers and they adopt this basically outcast girl into the group and it's this kind of same interaction where one guy has a love interest in her one guy's jealous of the guy enjoying this little love interest so we kind of have that big tie to it with the whole losers club and a random chick being part of the group Mm-hmm. It's another little 80s reference, which, do your homework, go watch a scary clown movie, it's still spooky season. Uh, um, I will say this, though, because I just real I learned this just recently. Um, crap, I would, uh, uh, Han, who is the actor who plays It, because uh, I love him so much, Tim Curry. Yes. He's awesome. Yeah. Prisoner See, Rocky another, another reason to watch it. Rocky Harp, um, Picture Show. Or, or, and then also Clue, which is which he's a manic in, is amazing. Yes, old shit, but so good. Uh, yeah. Which is a secondary. All good um, references. Yeah, and yeah, I thought that the the um, him Hopper's like realization, like I, we don't we don't get the scene, but like once he gets told. These kids have them. You got to be kidding me, uh, or have her. That is uh, eleven. It was like, he, like to him, he's probably like, I won't say it's the break that he needed. Uh, no pun intended for Troy's forearm, um, <laughs> but it was it oh, was oh, oh. everything all coming together at once and like, oh, and wait, when, and no, I'm just going to hop right to the next scene because I think the next scene is when they go and drive over to the widow's house yep and they see you they see the the feds outside the house and nancy wants to go run over there i'm like i gotta help my mom and dad i was like no mike's not there if they're there like mike was not gonna be there we gotta figure out how the hell we're gonna you know find the kids because they're they're obviously hunting for them they don't know where they are if we beat them to the punch we might have an, an upper hand because no, if we we can take that first action of figure out the hell what's going on before they get their grubby hands and mess things up to find out their friends. Yep, and, and we kind of see that first instance of Nancy finally realizing my brother's involved in this and actually showing some emotion of being worried about him. Because mm-hmm. up until now, they never really interacted other than just being the typical brother sister of just constantly nagging and hating on each other. So I like the kind of quick shift of Nancy finally being like, Oh, I need to be concerned about my brother for once. And Jonathan has that quick realization of like, they're always on these stupid radios. Why don't we just try and radio them? They probably have one on them. So Jonathan being the good old brother and paying attention to what they actually do. He's like, I know how to get in touch with them. And that's where we see, Nancy trying to get in touch with them, and I thought it was pretty funny how Mike was like, "Oh, she's probably with the government. We can't trust my sister." I mean, he was smart. Yeah, I give it to the, I give it to the kids. They're 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 pretty smart when it comes to thinking on the fly, and you know they pretty much reacted exactly how I think I would. You know, they they didn't answer at first, and then they kind of waited, and then you know once Hopper took over, you know you kind of you kind of I guess as a as the kids would think, oh, okay, there's a better chance that this is like legitimate. So that was I thought now. I, was, I can't speak too good. much to this because I don't have an older sister. You guys both do. What would you guys have yep. done in this situation? Like, would you have been quick, like, oh, I can't trust my sister? Like, she's probably with the government. I would have had a very similar reaction. Yeah. I would have wanted to answer, I, don't know. But I I definitely would have been very hesitant to to do so. I don't know. Like we me and my sister like we used to butt heads all the time when we were younger. But generally speaking, if she got real with us, like if one of us really got in trouble, like this with our parents, we were like, Alright, we'll cover each other's backs. So like I was I was very fortunate in that aspect. Here's the thing that I don't get. How did they not know that Hopper's not part of the, like, 
there how did they not know that hopper was working with the government because that was my first reaction was like is jonathan going to come on the walking and like hey we know about like i guess no them saying we know about 11 helps but like if jonathan comes about we might know what will is and like actually throw that that little bait out for him to bite down to then i'll be a lot more believable but them saying oh the chief of police he might know how do you, how do they not know that he could be in the in the federal government's pocket as well? That's the one thing that was like uh, from them being disbelieving of most authority figures so far in the show. It was surprised that Hopper was the one that they were like, hmm, maybe. Yeah, I, that's a good point because of all people, you would think you would trust that's family first point. over a random cop that. You don't really know too well, other than your interaction of when you got interviewed by him, like the second episode. And I think they kind of realize like Hopper doesn't take much bullshit from anybody. So when they hear him kind of come over the radio with that serious voice of like, "Hey, we need you to listen," I think he has that almost calm but authoritative voice that kind of puts him into like, "Hey, I think we can trust him." But that's just my two cents. I, I mean, I think they just were able to trust him just based on how he was talking to them. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't fuck around. Yeah, I thought. But, I thought Jonathan. I thought Jonathan would be the one to actually get them to cooperate. But obviously, that didn't take that far. Yeah, I, honestly, I I would have thought Jonathan would have been a better vote of who to talk to them first. But I guess Hopper didn't want to waste any time and just. <clears throat> quick took over and was like, I need to get to them quick. And, and plus, we saw from the previous scene where Jonathan actually cares about Will. It doesn't like Dancy does, he doesn't, but like he actually cares about his interest and knew about the radio. He knew, yep. and the boys would know that Jonathan is actually there for him. Yeah. So, like, that would just, that would have been the thing that should have pushed it over the edge. Yeah, so that, that was a scene we could have seen Jonathan step up, but I think he's also a little bit more shy, too. He doesn't. He's not more, I guess, headstrong, I guess you could say, whereas Nancy took control of it. He kind of wanted to just sulk in the background a little bit. Mm-hmm. True. That's more of Jonathan's personality. But So, picking up from there, we have a bunch of uh, armed men arriving at the bus where they're all hiding out, which, you know, just some deserted little, I guess it was a, I don't even know what kind of lot it was. It just seemed like an abandoned junkyard of sorts. Junkyard, scrapyard, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But it was a good hiding spot for the time being, but they get surrounded, and then I'm guessing this was oh shit moment number two, where Hopper just comes in and kicks all their asses. I love that scene. You saw it coming, but you just didn't know, because it's like, well, how did Hopper get there so quickly? But I love that scene. Yeah, that was that was the other oh shit moment where it's like, you think it's their car coming up, then it's the government like, oh, how they find them, and then next thing you know, Hopper's just bashing heads. I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yep, I thought it was the perfect entrance moment for him. I guess uh, there was another part of me that thought um, that uh, I guess like I don't know why it, like. I thought, like, I guess Joyce or Nancy or one of them would just, like, open, like, the back door or something and, like, sneak him out. But, I don't know, I guess I thought that might be something. But, yeah, it was it was refreshing to see Hopper just, like, enter the bus and be like, yo, we gotta go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and that's, that's Hopper's personality. He's the, you know, take action first, think later. And he went in, rescued the kids, and I just love how, like, he just jumps on the bus. He's like, let's fucking go. Like, get moving. Let's go. Yep. Like, I just saved your asses. Don't just sit around. <laughs> and he just quick kind of kicks him into gear. And I think that's also part of the reason why they listened to him on the radio first is he's a man of action. He's going, take orders, and go. Yeah. So. I think they see that they can trust him for sure. Yep. So then we get the big big reuniting of the entire group they all meet back at the buyer's house 
and the party's kind of explaining to Joyce and Hopper, Nancy and Jonathan of how Eleven kind of opened up the gate and how the gate itself is in Hawkins' lab. And we kind of get a sharing of all the intel between all the groups and Hopper's kind of analyzing all this and putting it together like, I kind of know what we have to do now. So I know I'm sure that made Connor very happy of people were finally starting to share all the information. The yep. whole plan was out there. Yep. No more, no more secrets. Uh, I get the, uh, I get the uh, points uh, of building drama, but at the same time, like just talk to each other. <laughs> Communication. Who's yeah. had to see the evidence? That's all. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, and then we get a little, uh, Joyce and Nancy moment with 11 of it's like their final lifeline of getting to Barb and Will like this whole season. Like we, we kind of forget in the past episode two of how Nancy and Joyce are trying to find Will and Barb. It's kind of like not forgotten, but it wasn't spoken as much as the big first half of the season. Um, but it's like, they finally have this lifeline of like, Oh, she might be actually able to help us. And so we see that Eleven kind of mentions, like, she doesn't think she's powerful enough to locate them. And she kind of has this little eureka moment when she's washing herself up in the bathroom, the bathtub, hence the title of the episode, the bathtub. And she kind of realizes, oh, I can make a, you know, sensory deprivation tank out of this, which we saw in previous episodes. That's how she amplifies her powers. Yeah, I thought uh, that was definitely, um, you know, interesting to uh, see how she just kind of, like, looked off to the, you know, to, like, the left, and she was like, huh, I can go tell this group about this now, and then (laughs) I love It's almost like she forgot to give out information about what she can do. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's what I thought, and then uh, I I give props to... uh, to Dustin, because when they when they come back, like he he does some pretty quick math. Like I don't know, if, like what he had with him, but like he's like figuring out like how much salt they got to put in the uh, in the water for you know for like for things to work. And like so, he's just like he's just like with it. So you're skipping the fun scene of yes. Dustin calling the teacher, Mr. Clark. Why wow, oh, he's on yes. a date? Yeah, I was yeah. like, my bad. oh, my bad. I did skip that. And I thought that, that had definitely had to be said because of the fact that like it's ten o'clock at night on a Saturday, and if I was if I was you know uh, teacher Clark, uh, Mister Clark, I would just like kid. I'm answering this question on Monday. Goodbye. Hang up. But the fact yeah. that he actually hung up, stayed on the line, actually answered all his questions. What do you need? Uh, what kind of temperature you need? And like it was. It's because Mister Clark is a bro. He is definitely he, a bro. He's a bro. He, he knew something was up, and he's like, "I think I actually need to tell these kids what's going on." They've been asking a lot of a lot of weird shit lately. They're clearly up to something. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's an understatement. It, it was just every teacher's nightmare of just that late night call from a student who just is asking the most random, asinine questions, and you're just like, "What? Like, why? Why are you calling me at this hour about this?" Yeah, no. And Google did not exist this back then so no but yeah. dustin dustin used his people food to figure out who to call first to get the information he needed and mr clark came through for the win yes he did he did he did so and that is where we get mr clark rattling off all the all the details to dustin and dustin does the math of oh this is what we actually need and i found it odd that this large quantity of salt that they needed was at a random middle school or Hawkins middle school. Like wh- why would no. there be that much salt there? Well, it's for the, um, cause remember they're in Indiana, right? Yes. So, I, so definitely in that kind of location that you get some pretty gnarly snowstorm sometimes. And, like to me, how I took it was, 
their like bags of salt alone like if you have a decent amount of like sidewalk you need you need to at least have multiple bags on hand in order to de-ice the roads or de-ice the walkways yeah um there was was there a ton yes but hey they had them and like they could have got them bulk and wholesale because especially them being in the middle of nowhere you had if you don't have them on hand you're screwed that's true I was just trying to think back to like our schools. Like, I don't think our schools had any sort of salt supply that oh, we know of. Well, that we, we know. Good we, point. We definitely. I, I never <laughs> went into the stores room. I I can definitely say from helping out when it comes to school stuff, like there we definitely had a ton of salts. Like there's there's giant ass bags. Huh. Well, that's good to know. I learned something new today. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, so we, we see them starting to kind of gather supplies and we have a little Nancy and Mike moment where they're going to grab the hose for the uh, the pool and they kind of have that promise of let's not keep secrets from each other anymore because they they took the lesson from Connor Vandermark of we shouldn't keep secrets. We should share all the stuff we know. <laughs> let's learn from Connor's wise advice and not tell secrets anymore that way we don't have this issue in future seasons to come so we have that cute little moment yeah it was right it was very what did they do though it was it was very brother sister like though let's be real yeah again nick as you having an older sister like myself Mm -hmm. like even if we must have sister get like deep conversations and stuff like even back then like who do you like I'm not telling you. I don't, I don't like. I'm. I'm not telling you anything. No. And like, if they both had the same exact interaction, especially after, you no, know, Nancy got all blushy when, uh, she was applying ice to Jonathan's face, and yep. that 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 one worker, the um, the secretary is like, that boy loves you. Yeah. Like, you you better know it now. <laughs> well, she blushed she's because she's like, wrong, oh my. Like, I'm I'm stuck in a love triangle. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, That's I true. think my favorite I think my favorite part of this podcast so far is Tommy gushing over his love triangle and just how much excitement he brings him. It's it's funny. <laughs> it's it's got to be got to be mentioned. Every show it is, it is pretty funny. Every show has its drama, and plus it pisses Mitchell off. So it helps. Mm-hmm. Oh, it does. It does. Unfortunately, he's not here to partake in this, but I'll make sure I dump on it as much as possible next episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because we will be coming back to the Team Jonathan or Team Steve conversation. Because I know Mitchell will not be stirred, but I will get Connor and Nick onto Team Jonathan, at least for this season. I but, mean, I'm I'm definitely on his team right now yes um take that mitchell whether that remains to be seen obviously time will tell but oh things will definitely change i he's on my team for now okay he's kind of like a he's kind of like the rented free agent that his contract <laughs> is about to expire Huh. I okay so while we're talking about this now because i'm looking i'm looking at our show doc right now there's no mention of the Steve scene. Of the what? The Steve. The, so the scene that I stupidly referenced in episode six of Steve and uh, Connie, right? No. Oh, and they're at the. Like, oh, the, yeah. The See, mark. I left that out because it was such a minor scene. It was Steve's but, only scene uh, in this episode, so I was like, it, "There's no." I know, but there. I brought up I brought up he, last episode. He didn't gonna, fit into any other storyline other than. Just... Well, I'm bringing up the love triangle now, so the uh, so the part that I want to bring up that that caught my interest in episode seven, um, with Steve was who's it like Tony? Whatever the hell his name is, Tommy. Asshole number one. Tommy, Come on, dude, this? asshole! I, I'm right here. <laughs> same name as the person is talking to. So after they got into a little scuffle, and you no, know, Steve calls them calls them assholes, and like kind of really starts breaking away from those two. Uh, and Steve's trying to fight him, and like, or is like, oh, do I'm 
want me to beat your ass? Like I, oh, Jonathan, Jonathan Byers beat your ass. And do you, do you really think what I can do is you can do any fear any better against me? So he kind of, then Steve kind of like shrugs away, like no, knowing that he already has a giant ass gas for his face. I mean, he did and, have a point. Yeah. So he gets in. So he gets in the car and he bolts. And Steve makes a comment. Oh, run away like you always do. I'm like, oh, that's foreshadowing something mm-hmm. because I think Steve got some issues. Um, but hey, props to him actually, you no know, stepping up and like, hey, I what you guys is not doing is right, and I actually do care for Nancy, and you guys are just being assholes about it. So, it, it is the start to a. Steve redemption arc, if you will, in terms of his personality and how he treats Nancy. I will be looking forward to it because I think there could be something there where the guy, I, I think Jonathan, him getting his ass beat by Jonathan actually was a good thing. And like, I, I, I tease I a lot so. about the whole love triangle aspect of the show, but I really do that to make sure Steve stays relevant because it's no spoiler, but he does have a very interesting arc throughout the show and the whole love triangle does play into it a little bit but we will find out but we will find out all right so back onto the the rails for the rest of the episode um, yes we're there are they are the end i thought it was interesting too how they're all break up into little different groups like i mentioned before uh yeah. you had nancy and mike um uh, I thought the the scene with Joyce and Eleven was very sweet. Where... Joyce is clinging to that lifeline. Uh, she, uh, she definitely is. She is, but at the same time, I think to me at least, I think Joyce at least was very caring about it. Of like, like you are like you are a ray of hope for me, and just do whatever you can try to put me in touch with Will and. No, it was like I will be there for you. I, I, because she herself can't take on the burden. If she could, she would, and she knows she has to put all her chips on eleven. It's like I will be there for you. I will, I will comfort you. Let I will try to take as much burden off you as possible. And I don't think eleven really had that before, where there, there is a more of a reassuring figure in her, in her background. And, and we see her. we see Joyce kind of being more of a mom figure, and I see it almost as her projecting what she wished she could have been and done for Will mm-hmm. throughout this whole season. I think so. That's, that's a good. That's a fair point because she's been so desperate to get to Will just just to comfort him and make him feel safe, but she can't, and she's wanted to this whole time. So now she finally has this new kid who can help her get to her son, but is also in this really fucked up situation. So she's kind of almost projecting her feelings onto her and just doing everything she can to make sure this new girl feels safe. That way Mm -hmm. they can get to will and get her son back. But it's a very, very sweet little moment. And 11 kind of looks up to her almost as a mom figure in this moment of like, wow, someone actually cares about me. And it's not just a bunch of like teenage boys that are fighting over me this entire time. Like, this is nice. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that's also what gets her through the, uh, you know, the the tank as well. Like when we'll, she's we'll, yeah, what's happened? Yeah, what's happened to the uh, hop into the tank? Well, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. Final scene is we get we get her filled up into the tank. They make a little makeshift uh blindfold for her so she can kind of just float in the pool joyce is by her side the entire time as well as nancy because they're both just so desperate to hear any sort of news about will or barb um and we see 11 kind of going through the void and we finally get confirmation barb is dead yep. what you got were you guys expecting this uh, uh yes what was with her tongue? That was the one thing I was like, that was so freaking weird. Yeah. It was like spotted. Yeah. I was like, is that a snake coming out of her mouth? I was like, is that her tongue? I don't know. But yeah, that was like, huh. Interesting. I, that was a, uh, that was definitely a, 
shocking revelation to me. And it makes you wonder how Will was able to survive this entire time. Yep. Whereas Barb got taken so quickly and seems to have been killed off relatively quick. But we then see Will in a little decaying version of his castle buyers. So he's... I'm almost like this is why in that couple episodes ago when we see the dog in the tent, mm-hmm. I feel like the dog sensed Will being there. Yeah. Because I feel like this was his safe place and he went there, so the dog almost sensed him being there. But either you know, way. I feel, I feel that. Yeah. Um also I am now revising that I'm not sure the animal is the same. But I'm not the little stuff animal. I'm not sure. I want them yeah, to it was definitely an interesting point. Like, I, I've been trying to look into it, and I, I haven't found any connection yet. So it might have just been a very odd coincidence, mm-hmm. or just—I think they might be slightly different. Yeah. So I saw. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." No, that's something that I just kind of saw the first time. Yep. Um. And so then we finally see Will in the flesh. He's alive, and. Eleven relays a message to Joyce, basically Will telling them to hurry up, which is justifiable. He's like, just get me the fuck out of here. Like, I would have been losing it if I was him by this point. He's been stuck there for probably weeks at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, at least. Which, in another question I have is, how the hell is he surviving? Like, how has he been eating this entire time? Like, what? Like, I can't imagine there's any actual food down there. But that's just another little technicality question i had yeah who knows no the the, that brings up a good point because it's like if they have you know a box of cheerios in the in the shelf does that mean they're also going to have that in in the upside down you know like that's a good point like like if connor ate nico's vanilla wafers in the real world would they still (laughs) exist in the upside down or would they be eaten as well in the upside down who knows? Who knows? Nico would be pissed off in two dimensions. <laughs> two separate worlds. <laughs> so we we see Joyce and Hopper leaving the group, which again, they're separating the party. They shouldn't do it. But they leave to go enter the lab's gate, and they pretty much immediately get caught, which I was a little shocked by. Um. Like, I'm not because the fact that like you think the first time you got in they wouldn't learn the lesson. Well, I was more shocked than the fact that like why did Hopper make the same mistake twice? Yeah, like the first time he at least made it through, but he was at least stealthy about it. This was he just went rolling up to the gates, like almost as if it was his plan to like purposely get caught. It very well could be. I don't know. He he didn't seem like. He kind of rolled up to the door. Like, he was kind of sneaking to the first time. Like, he didn't have to... To At least when he first went up, he did just walk up, walk up to the wall and then, like, waited for someone to leave the building. And it was yeah. that late at night that he didn't inspect anyone. So, he was hoping, you know, try to check the iron, why the iron's hot, hot and, like, try to but catch him just... off guard again. Because who, yeah. who, who expects the Spanish Inquisition twice? <laughs> true this is very true but it's just it goes back to the same gripe i had is you finally have all these parties come together and then everybody just splits right back up again you have joyce and hopper going back onto their mission then you have now nancy and jonathan coming up with their own little sneaky plan of like hey now that we just had this whole heartbreaking moment with my mom of how could i risk my life Let's go keep doing that and try and lure out the monster with this little blood plan. And they just kind of go off on their own. And we're left with 11 Joyce or 11 and the rest of the party just kind of left to fend for themselves, which I thought was a very odd choice for everybody to do. And we leave the episode with poor fucking Will still stuck in the upside down, humming his song, Should I Stay or Should I Go? And the Demogorgon comes and rips the fort apart and attacks them. And that's what we leave off with. So the parties are all divided. Will's life is at stake. What do we think is going to happen in the finale? Because we are 
coming up on that quick. Uh, I do think they get the will because I'm assuming that him being a pretty big plot point here, I think he does survive. Um, it's a it's a valid prediction. Yeah, that's just kind of like I want to say, <laughs> say meta gaming it, but like in a way, yeah. Um, the question is how. So I do think. I do think Hopper does get through the one gate um, in the lab. I think that he is able to convince Dr. Brenner, I will suit up, let me go. I will get in there and do my thing. Okay. Because um, I can definitely see him just being that like brash bravado of, you know, you guys obviously want to know more information. I will get you that more information. This will be a trade-off. Uh at the same time, I also think that uh, I also think that Nancy and Jonathan are also going to be able to, to have a fight with this stupid thing too. Because for Nancy, it's revenge. She's like, fuck this thing. I want. I want. I want to get revenge for Barb. And Jonathan doesn't want this thing to harm him. So it could be a situation where. Yeah, that thing broke into the fort uh, of Fort Pryor, where Will is, but it could be a situation where even though it broke in, the blood that they're using could lure it away as more of an enticing thing to save Will for that time being to let, no, un- like, no, not working together. They're working together unintentionally, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Hopper could go and get get will while that thing is distracted due to um nancy and jonathan uh looking to fight it the party i have no clue because i have no clue what direction they're going to go with it because obviously they can't open a gate themselves they could communicate with will maybe kind of not really um they only to only to only do the only to the bath but I'm not sure. I, I that's something that I'm actually truly am hazy how they're gonna kind of line up their involvement for this because it can go. Honestly, I do not know at all. Okay. So, Nick, do you have any insight? What might happen? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so I think uh, I share one similar thought of uh, of what Connor had. Um, I think that uh, I think Hopper is going to kind of talk himself into it only because like kind of like you mentioned before he kind of just like walks up and he gets caught immediately and when that happened I kind of questioned it immediately I was like why are you just walking up like that like what part of like was this supposed to be stealthy and I kind of thought about it I was like you know he's probably gonna like sweet talk his way into this um because he just seems like the type type of dude who could do that <clears throat> excuse me um so we'll, we'll see but uh i think in terms of the party um i don't know i mean i don't think they want to bring 11 to the gate but i feel like they're also severely like in terms of you know all these dungeon dungeon and dragon talk like they're kind of underpowered so they mm-hmm. kind of need like some adult or supernatural assistance to continue at some capacity um and then in terms of nancy and jonathan uh <clears throat> my th- my my thinking was that their plan is to bring you know the demigorgon in is going to work but my question is like how do they know it's only one like what if they're just opening up like two or three and they're just like they're kind of to me only preparing for one but how do we know it's only one that my friend is a very good question like when nancy was in the the upside down correct me if i'm wrong but it kind of seemed like she saw two different monsters or outlines of 
monsters. So that's kind of my thing. It's like they're buying these supplies. They they bought one bear trap, if I'm not, if I think, I think it's just one. So yeah, I think it's like they're gonna ultimately find it, but it's like, is it just gonna be one? Is it two? Is it something bigger? I don't know. Okay. Now, one last question. Because we made predictions for everyone else, but we left one person out that Connor mentioned. What do we think Steve's role in this finale will be? Shit, I forgot about him. <laughs> oh. Because yeah. he, he's kind of the lone the lone wolf at the moment. Kind of on the... Uh, almost on the, on the edge of should I... <clears throat> Stay an asshole, or should I go help my friends? Or not so really my he, friends. He I think he's going to be with, helpful. Yeah. He probably he grew up with Nancy, Nancy and Jonathan. That's my guess. Okay. Because honestly, I don't think he fits anywhere else, plus piece wise. Okay. Well, with that, yeah, it, at the at the minimum, it's got to be Nancy that he meets yeah. up with because he's probably going to try to apologize to her in, in some capacity but whether or not she accepts it remains to be seen all, all good predictions so I think now is time for ratings hold on I'll, I want to say another point too with Steve Uh-oh. is I kind of curious his whole reaction to the whole thing too because the fact that he is the only one who has not had any interaction with something really freaky yet yep so, is he just going to wig out? And, you know, kind of alluding to what they said before, like it could it could be alluding to maybe he's trying to help Nancy, but when they come, when push comes to shove, when push comes to shove, that he actually would run away when the dummy gorgons come. I like that so. thought. Uh, foreshadowing, <laughs> maybe. Foreshadowing. So, let's... Just, let's uh, that was on the spot, rating. people. On the spot. The, yep. Let's I'm do some myself. ratings and close this bad boy up. Okay. 9.3. I was very happy. That was Ooh. fun and exciting. That's the best one so far. Yeah, definitely the best one so far. The most, I think, action-packed suspense that, that i found in any of the episodes that we've watched. So I would give it a, a 9.2. Wow, that's far Highest for you for by five for you, Nick. Yeah. I I'm gonna go with a nice even nine point Checked all my boxes, but I know there's room for improvement, so I'm not gonna give it a full ten yet. But it was definitely have... definitely one of my favorite episodes of this season. So top of episode five for you. Yep. Cool. And then the predictions for Mitchells. <laughs> uh, I want to say I want to say he would rate this one high, but I feel like he'd be a little wild card and not rate it as high. I'm going to say he's going to give it like an 8.95. As the highest one for him. I think he's also not going to go above a nine. I think he is going to be, um, I'm going to say eight point eight point nine one. Okay. Connor, I think he, I think he will go over nine. Oh, because okay, the plot thickens. Because the fact that there's so much shit going on, and he loves the – he's a big Hopper guy. I thought Hopper had a good a good interaction with this episode and, like, piecing things together. Um, I think he's – I think with the whole car flip and, like, there's a lot of shit happening. There's a lot of things firing off. I would give it a – I think Mitchell would give it a – hmm. I'm going to say a 9.07. Not exactly a 9.1, but pretty damn good. That's a good guess. 
So, Sounds like the number that he would say. Yeah. For the ones who are present, the average is a 9.16 repeating, which is pretty damn high. Uh, well, we all gave it at least an A on our scorecard here. So I'm definitely looking forward to the finale. Uh, we will be re- we'll be releasing that. I am assuming. I'm looking at the calendar right now. If I can pull it up on my laptop, because uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are recording episode uh, six and seven back to back today. Um, Tommy is away next week. Um, so that's what we're doing it beforehand. I think we should be releasing on the tw- about the twenty eighth ish, Tommy, for that one. Yeah, we have a, uh, we have a week. Or, we have a week off. Yep, that or possibly the week of Thanksgiving. We'll see what happens. Yeah, so we okay. could have a, an expected week off before we go hit into the finale of uh, the uh, season one. Which what is the name of the finale? Oh, here it is. It's just the upside, upside down. down. Fitting enough. Look at that. <laughs> Any other comments, gentlemen? Nope. Let's let's go this bad boy up. Well, um, please reach us at our on so, on our socials on which is the uh, Stranger Nerds podcast on Instagram, uh, Facebook, any other places you find um, all our stuff. I doubt we're on X because that's on no. fire. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We're um, we're letting X burn to the ground. I forgot so, that was even a thing, to be honest. Yeah, I still call it Twitter most of the time, but I, yeah. I at least have some presence of mind about it. Um, but yeah, follow, like like and follow. Uh, tell your friends. You no know, word of mouth always helps these things. So, uh, and uh, other than everything else, I think we're all set here. Yep. Have a good night. Have a good night, everybody. So says.